Hi everyone, it's me again, David, the host of the Loose and Conversational Podcast. Every week I sit down with co-host Jen, we have a few drinks, we talk to somebody, we maybe have a few laughs, maybe we learn something, but we come out of it as better people. Anyway, this is episode 26. Morgan Knudsen is our guest this week, and she is a paranormal researcher. Morgan Knudsen is the award-winning founder of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings. She can be seen and listened to all over the place, whether she's lecturing in person, appearing on television or other podcasts or in print. Morgan is an expert on the paranormal. Maybe, more importantly, Morgan teaches us that it is what is inside us that draws our experiences to us. Morgan was one of the very first people that we asked to be on our podcast. Now, 26 episodes later, we finally have her on. We wanted to record with her live but, you know, pandemic and all. We are thrilled to get to sit down with her finally. I really hope you enjoy the podcast. This is probably one of the favorite ones Jen and I have done because we like Morgan so much. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. You ever get a hangover? Like... The same day you drink? No. Like two hours later? <laughs> I, think you, dr- I think you've hit a, a new, uh, you've hit a new bar, David, I think. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I thought this happened to everybody. No. Yeah, no, I no, get, I get, <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? No. Like you get day drunk and then you get like an evening hangover. No? No. Oh, all right. Well, no. you guys have a long way to go, I guess. Apparently. We're, we're, we're falling short. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind falling short to this. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But- <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Jed loves to judge. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. Well, welcome, Morgan. Yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, obviously, I've met you. I'm a huge fan. But the reason I am David's co-host is because I was waiting for the Morgan podcast, which was supposed to happen early on. <laughs> and now we're like, I don't know, 25, 26 episodes in. And finally. Yeah, you were one of the first people we wanted to have on the podcast. <laughs> you were. One of the first people we asked and everything, right? And I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to hang in for that one. And then it just like never fucking happened. And now you're well, stuck. The- and now <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> now there was I'm a, a pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, there was a yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I've got yeah. the pandemic got in the way of like pretty much everything for everybody. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it's been good for us or bad for us in total. I guess it's a fit. I mean, it's not what we and what you initially intended for, but it's still going pretty well. Yeah. And yeah. it's because initially our big thing when we first started was we don't want to do any remote podcasts. Yeah. yeah. We could imagine that the guests we wouldn't have if we had yeah, done true. remote. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. We never yeah. would have had Jan. We never would have had Scott. A, a, a Scott. Yeah. A lot, a lot of them we wouldn't have. Yeah. We wouldn't have had either Scott. No. Who's um, the other Scott? Oh, yeah, right. Vicarious. vicarious yeah. <laughs> it's hard to remember all of them now, yeah. you know? <laughs> and we we probably wouldn't have had as many interesting conversations that we For had. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so we're back to our first, one of our first uh, ideas. Yeah, our first idea, the Morgan. Morgan yeah. So for people who don't know you, although I don't imagine anybody doesn't know who you are, Morgan, <laughs> tell us who you are, although we know. Yeah, but tell them. The who people you who are, are listening. Tell who have the no people. Idea. Tell the hundred people. Yeah, yeah tell them. Yeah. All tell the them. people all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So my name is Morgan Knudsen, and uh, I've been a in paranormal uh, research and uh, teaching for now, oh my God, it's almost been 20 years. It's the time has just flown. Uh, and uh, my partner and I, Stephanie Wirtz, uh, she's my business partner very early on, uh, who has since passed away. But she and I started a, a company called Entity Seeker Research and Teachings. And the, right at the beginning, what we wanted to do is bring people 
educated information uh, about parapsychology, not the TV show stuff, not the not the crazy, you know, wahala that we see with ghost hunters and whatever. We wanted to bring people quality information, up-to-date scientific information, and make it fun, make it really entertaining, make it fun, bring it to them in theaters and shows and you know in a a really really uplifting way and we began this program called teaching the living and teaching the living was founded when we began to realize that people's emotional states and how they associate themselves with the world play such a massive massive role in what type of activity they're experiencing and when we realized that the power really does lie with the person it almost became kind of a, a spiritual program of sorts where we were able to take clients that were having problems with paranormal activity and get them to get their own power back so it's been a really wild journey and now i've i've been on god i can't even countless tv shows currently uh haunted hospitals and paranormal 911 and uh both of them have been just a gift i those are fantastic and uh and yeah so basically what i do we all got to know you when kylie yeah she went went to that tour that yeah, yeah she yeah. Did, went to a sort of a sort of an entertainment sort of thing yeah a, an educational entertainment thing that she went to and she wasn't sure what it was going to be but she loved it and that's how we got to know you then you got the tv shows but does anybody like i don't want to say call you up but do people ever call you up <laughs> yes yeah i mean it, it happens all the time of you know i've usually got one or at least one or two cases that i'm working uh at, at any given point that the pandemic as we've talked about has made it really difficult uh mm-hmm. because you know everybody's kind of got a comes down on it in a different way you know some people don't mind you coming in their house other people do other like it's all over the place so but normally like on a day-to-day basis a lot of for me it's you know creating it's creating that next avenue for for people to learn most of the time you know before it was doing live shows like right now uh you know two years ago i would be getting ready for the you know calgary comic expo vancouver mm-hmm. expo all of those um and needless to say now it's just it's canceled so now for me I've, you know i've been doing a an online show weekly called spiritual Healthcare. And that's been really a great way to connect with people. We've still been shooting in Toronto off and on uh, for Haunted Hospitals. This third season just came out uh, a couple of weeks, I guess a few weeks back now. It's been a mixed bag of things. Uh, I've taken a lot of time out to uh, study, get myself back up to date. The, the new uh, uh, advancements in parapsychological research textbook just came out. So it's been a lot of reading. And yeah, just making sure you know people are getting the right information. I feel like in the pandemic, people are choosing COVID safety over paranormal activity. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I think I'd be like, no, no, come help me. I don't care about Yeah, we're COVID. not saying we support that. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny, though, you know, like people, um, there, there's been this this weird sort of skyrocket of uh, people reporting stuff. And part, yeah, part of that's because people are just home, right? Like people are home yeah. and they've got nowhere to bury their their stuff anymore like normally you know they would go to work or they would ignore stuff and you know just busy themselves with something else right so they've they lost that security blanket where they were able to kind of stuff their emotions and now when you've got a high stress situation like a a pandemic or you've lost your job you're losing your house like all this stuff that's going on you know those tensions rise so people end up sometimes creating their own paranormal activity, psychokinesis and stuff like that. So I did want to talk about that because I thought that was one of the most fascinating things I found when we talked was obviously this is your your job and that you had sort of two trains of thought. One is that paranormal activity is a thing, but that most of the time it's actually energy, right? So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting because I mean, there's definitely 
stuff that goes on, like people, there's incredible documentation. And I mean, I've had it happen myself of, you know, getting visits from spirits, intelligences. Um, There's absolutely that aspect to connect with. Mm -hmm. But there's an element that I think people miss where they don't realize that we ourselves are energy and we are a conduit. And one of the things that I've been reading actually very recently that's just come out in the parapsychology world is the study of just how that operates, how PK works. It's very, very close ties, or it has very close ties with uh, quantum entanglement, strangely. Mm -hmm. But we don't realize how powerful we are. Right. And so, for instance, if there's like an abusive relationship or some sort of inciting event, like where there's a lot of energy expended, that energy remains and sort of creates the illusion of paranormal activity. Is that correct? Well, it can come in that situation, it can kind of come a, a few different ways. Because, you know, we've we've had cases where that focus, that negative focus has generated its own consciousness. And for people that are interested in that, they can look up the, what they call the Philip experiment. Um, in the 1970s, it was done in Ontario, uh, where Mensa actually recreated that. And it's fascinating. But we can actually create these intelligences And then on the top of that, you've got people that, you know, when they're in a negative state of mind, usually like rage, frustration, and and things like that, they actually end up being able to move objects themselves. So they end up creating uh, these sort of explosions of of energy. And it's it's quite fascinating. So when you're talking about emotions and negative emotions, do they tend to be things like anger and things like that? Or... Yeah, grief, I would imagine, would be one as well. It's usually the stuff that generates PK is the stuff that is a little bit more intense than grief. So things okay. like like frustration, rage, things that you would stuff that kind of become explosive, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like the universe kind of mirrors that. But when it comes to things like these sort of negative intelligences that seem to, to manifest, yeah, like anything um, like grief, uh, depression, anything like that. And, and lo and behold, you get people calling and saying, you know, uh, we've got this crazy thing going on in our house and it's terrifying and it's, you know, hurting the animals and hurting the kids and this, that, and the other thing. And usually, it, and I mean like 99.9% of the time, you can take a look at the family dynamic and see where that activity is kind of becoming a mirror. Mm-hmm. So usually to figure out what's going on with the, the activity itself and to figure out what's going on with the family, the entity will be a, itself a very good mirror of, of the problem. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. I, and I just have to clarify this because the the one time we talked before, I walked away and I was like, I don't really understand what we mean by entity and things like that. And like, I know what you mean by it, but when people call you or when people are having these things going on in the house, like, do they say I have a ghost in my house or do they say I have, what do they perceive it as? I guess is the, the one thing I was wondering after that. It, it depends on the culture, honestly. Um, mm. Some people really aren't sure. They don't want to come off as nuts. Usually they've got an idea as to what might be going on, um, but they don't usually like to come out and say, oh, you know, I think this place is haunted. They'll kind of pussyfoot around it a little bit and be like, you know what, there's some weird things happening here. Could you give us your opinion? So usually it's not as quite as direct, but you, you know, you get other cultures, you know, certain First Nations and things like that. And everybody's got a different way of perceiving uh, what's going on. So some will turn around and say, you know, oh, I think I've been cursed or, oh, I think there's, you know, this is bad medicine or this is, so everybody's got a different way of saying it, depending on which culture you, you talk to. Huh. That's interesting. Is there common ways it manifests or is it very different depending on whatever? Well, usually there's, there's about three or four different categories that it tends to fall into when it, when it is paranormal. 
Mm-hmm. One, of, I think one of the most common being something called residual energy. And it very much has to do with quantum entanglement and uh, the ability for memory to be left in a space on a cellular level and an atomic level. And uh, basically what that is, is events that have been recorded or cemented into an environment, whether it be a sound, sight, smell, whatever that might be. And when you experience it, you experience like a playback and it's like a needle on a phonograph. So it's, it's not intelligent. It's just, it's a playback. Sometimes it can be very repetitive. So that's one. Uh, and the other two are, you fall into the category of that intelligence where, okay, you've got something that you know, seems to be typically negative. It's, uh, you know, they tend to be aggressive. They tend to be very dominant and they tend to be not people. They're not, it's, it's, it's not a nasty human being. There's, there's something else going on there and there's theories about what that is. And then you get the, the amazing encounters, these, these wonderful, joyful encounters with, you know, people that have passed away, you know, 75% statistically of people that have these occurrences, you know, or no, it's, it's higher than that. It's, it's in the 80% percentile I say that their paranormal experience affected them in a really positive way. Um, and that's the communication you want, you know, it's the yeah. connection with all that is. It's really cool stuff. That sounds so like wonderful, right? When, you know, someone passes yeah. and be able to connect. And I've got one person I know who very much believes that every time she sees a butterfly, it is, you know, a connection to someone who's passed away. Every time? Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of butterflies. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so is there a way to make yourself more open to experiencing that? And if you can, does it also open you up to sort of the negative aspect of it as well? That's an awesome question. And, you know, yeah, there is a way to, to, to get yourself a little more open to it. And one of those ways is to, number one, be really open-minded. Um, you know, don't ex- don't try to jam the encounter through a, you know, a round peg through a square hole. Imagine that, you know, you've got a, a universe of infinite possibilities and it, that will occur on its own time. People will know. Uh, mm-hmm. But the idea is, is, you know, you get yourself into a positive state of mind. One of the things that I always like to do with uh, clients is I have them journal every single day, uh, either a gratitude journal or um, uh, some sort of a, a paragraph of something that they really love because our emotions and this world continuum that we kind of sit on, it's like a radio dial. And if you're, if you want to connect with something that's in pure positive energy, like the person that you just, that has just made their transition, you're not going to get that connection tuning into depression and grief. It, it won't happen. You have to get yourself into that positive state of mind and then, you know, ask and let it go, let it go, ask and let it go. And don't think you need a medium to make that happen because you don't. So, you know, it's the second part of your question about it'll also tuning into the negative. No, I mean, ultimately, no. Um, You know, you've got to, again, be in that range frequency wise, emotionally of what it is that's negative. If you're down there, you're hanging out in that in that vibration. The problem is oftentimes people will reach out from a position of grief Mm -hmm. and they end Uh up in a real problem. Gotcha. It's not the loved one. So interesting. Oh, geez, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Go it, ahead. It's, it's, well, yeah. I was going to say it's funny because you touch on so many things, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a really big believer, as is Kylie, actually, that this is all energy, right? This yeah. is all energy, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, like once you, once you kind of accept that, and it's interesting that you said 
that it's important to be open-minded and it totally is right? right because a lot of people are just like no that's ridiculous yeah totally and yeah. it's it's also interesting what you said about quantum entanglement because the more quantum physics or theoretical physics advances the more the understanding that everything's linked and that our thoughts can affect the world around us and everything like that it, it actually more and more keeps getting proven right it doesn't get disproven mm -hmm. it, it shows that the classical way of thinking where everything's mechanically separate from everything else unless there's a mechanical connection is not true yeah, right. it's, just, it's just point blank fault. And what's so interesting is that where this has come to now is that people are beginning to understand that everything we touch, everything that we're communicating with, we pick up, we leave a piece of ourselves with whatever that is. And they're beginning to understand that when you've got somebody, say, for example, who's really good at psychometry, which is the, you know, the reading of an object, um, picking up, knowing who it was, where it came from, all those things, that that very deeply has something to do with it. And they're beginning to really understand that it's like, well, wait, wait a minute. Like this isn't just random stuff that's coming up here is that we leave bits of ourselves. And in the same way that someone who say, for example, who had a lung transplant has, you know, might come wake up with characteristics of mm -hmm. that person, our environment works very much the same way. So they're beginning to understand that, that quantum mechanics, quantum physics, you know, and the biology behind it is absolutely key to understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you do what you do, uh, like, is it draining for you? Like, how do you recharge if it is? Well, it's funny because, you know, this stuff for me is just is life giving. I love it. So when I dig into it, it's always something that is I, I'm passionate about. Um, so I always find that it's a deep connection with with everything. So this kind of is my recharge. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. When I deal with people all day, I get pretty drained. So I was just curious. People are a different matter. <laughs> they just suck the life out of you. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people are the worst. Uh -huh. I should just deal with more spirits than less and less people. So I guess I, I'm gonna back it up. I gotta back it up all the way. Yeah. How did you start in this? I guess at what age did you first become interested? At what age did you decide, or you and your late partner decide this is something that we're gonna yeah. do full time? Well, it was passed down from your grandma, right? Like your grandma was my great great grandfather actually he uh yeah he started the first paranormal your great great grandfather oh yeah, yeah. we talked about this yeah yeah, my oh, great, yeah. great grandfather, uh, Albert Durant Watson, he started in uh, the early 1900s and uh, progressed all the way up the ladder. In the early 1900s, what did it look like? People were really skeptical. Um, you know, yeah. they were just coming out of that sort of Victorian seance age um, where it was starting to sort of seem like a joke. And okay. um, the Society of Psychical Research in the UK uh, had been formed in the late 1800s because they were actually they designed themselves to separate fact from fiction because they were sick and tired of watching people get scammed by psychics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so they came out of the woodwork and my great grandfather was a complete skeptic. He was like legit skeptic. He was a, a physician, very famous physician in Ontario. And uh, he didn't even want to put his career on the line because he said, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. But he ended up uh, being, he ended up lending his house and his living room to a group of people who who had met this this fellow who had like a grade six education uh, by the name of Louis Benjamin. And Louis Benjamin was a channel. They said, you know, can we just use your living room? And he thought, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. So go shut yourself in the living room. I'm going in the other room. Yeah. And he ended up sitting in on a number of these of these sessions and what he was hearing blew his mind. And so he ended up getting involved from a very scientific perspective because he wanted to know what was going on. And by the time he was done, which was years later, he ended up authoring two books on the subject and basically transcribing a lot of these sessions. And it's probably some of the 
best, most hopeful information you could ever, ever want. And he Mm. just, he put it out there and said, look, you can take it or leave it, but I'm a believer. So the sessions that went on in his living room, was it channeling? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I am. I am super fascinated by that. It's it's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of fakes, a lot of frauds out there. Of course. But the, the ones who, the ones who are able to connect in and that's, and everybody can do it. It's amazing. And, and the messages are they're so important. So do you think it's a gift you're born with or like, cause I mean, obviously your great grandfather, great, great grandfather didn't believe it until he opened himself up. And then how yeah. does it get passed down from that point? You know, I, I, I've come to believe firmly that it really is sort of honing your brain uh, okay. to be able to do this. Um, a lot of it is just meditation, being able to yeah. slow your mind down. And I mean, there's definitely some people that are seem to be a lot more adept at it than others. Uh, but you know, everybody can do it. And there's a there's an incredible uh, institute called the Winbridge Institute in the in the U.S. And they're some of my all time favorite people because they're they're absolutely incredible and they study this for a living. They're just it's amazing. And um, what they've found is that yeah, I mean, there are people that are more attuned to it. But I mean, we all we're, we're we have the capacity to tune into our source. We just do. So what came first, your interest in it, or I guess the aptitude just being, you know, having an open conversation with your family? Well, the funny thing was, is I didn't even know about my great, great grandfather until about six years into uh, building Entity Seeker. So yeah, so I ended up sort of coming, coming by the wayside of it. But it, um, uh, it was an incident that happened to me when I was a kid uh, that I experienced that I couldn't explain. I was like nine years old. And I couldn't explain what had happened. And even though it had scared the crap out of me, I was so fascinated that I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, there's something more to this. And I was hooked. Just hooked. Did well, you- wait a minute. What was the incident? You can't, <laughs> you can't say there was an incident I when I was nine. Yeah. What happened? Okay. So I ended up when, when we were, I was living in uh, uh, BC in the, at the time. And uh, my family owned, or we rented this little uh, part of this fourplex. And the place was we were going to renovate it we wanted to to tear it apart and and renovate it because it was it was old and um we started to experience some really weird stuff going on um everything from you know seeing people walking upstairs like you you'd go by them on a stairwell um you'd hear footsteps upstairs you'd see people like lying on beds and creating like depressions in the bed all sorts of things we had stuff go go missing that we couldn't explain um and we started to occasionally see these like shapes that would show up on the, the stairs from the upper floor to the, the main floor. And you'd all see them? Yeah, yeah. Like everybody saw them sort of to a different degree and at different times. But what ended up getting me and what was the, sort of the final incident was I'd come downstairs. It was really early in the morning. And I heard, because I heard somebody in the kitchen, all the lights were off. And I said, hello. And where you stood at the bottom of the stairs, you couldn't actually see the, the kitchen itself. You could just see that the you know light was on or whatever. And the footsteps and the commotion in the kitchen immediately stopped cold. And instantaneously, I knew that wasn't my parents. Something was going on. And my first instinct was somebody's broken into the house. I've just tripped up a burglar. I was terrified. And I heard the footsteps come out of the kitchen, come around the corner. I'm expecting to see somebody. And nobody's there. I just see this kind of opaque form come around the kitchen and it rushed at my face as fast as it could. It scared the hell out of me. Oh my gosh. Wow. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget it. And 
So anyway, my, my parents, like they came running downstairs because they heard what was going on. And uh, they immediately checked the house because they thought, yeah, there's burglar. You know, nobody was there. There was nobody come into the house. Everything was fine. And uh, we all knew at that point that, you know, we weren't by ourselves. How long did you guys live in that house for? Oh, God. Did you pers- did you persist with it? A few it? years. It was a few years. Yeah. Like, I don't think we were there extremely long afterwards, but it wasn't because we were moving because of the, the activity. We ended up moving just because of the cost of the housing. But we were there for a little while afterwards. And, and the activity seemed to sort of die down a little bit uh, after that, but it was always just there. You know, it was always something was. Going. I've only ever had something that happened to me once. Have you had ever had like a? I mean, I, as a child, like I have vivid memories of things that I, yeah, that I would say were of that nature. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You don't want to talk about it? Oh, I was. You weren't asking. <laughs> I well, just... I thought I was implying. <laughs> uh, I always do this because I want to tell my own story. Yeah, I know. That's why. But I'd... then I feel bad, oh. so I'm like. <laughs> Let's hear yours, Jen, How before very you hear podcast mine. host of you, you know, yeah. to, to open up the door. I just remember being like a young child and I remember on my wall just being shadows of like people, like just sort of living their own lives, like on my wall, like a shadow. And it was a very comforting feeling. And I remember like going to bed. The shadows on your wall when you were a child were comforting? <laughs> yeah, it was a comforting feeling to have them there. And I would always sort of like oh, go wow. to bed, you know, kind of hoping to see them, I guess. And so I just, I vividly remember that. And then I, I also have sort of like other uh, instances, but to me, they just sort of resonated with me as like sort of angel moments. So not necessarily like, I don't know how that all relates, but like just very sort of calming presence sort of when I needed it at points of crisis. That's interesting. What's an angel moment? I don't know. Like, I guess in my mind, I just, and maybe you can correct me, Morgan, but in my mind, it just felt like a very calming presence. And so like, it just, it resonated with me as sort of like my angel watching out for me, I guess. Oh, interesting. I used to work (laughs) at a casino and the casino was in an old train station. And we had a old train car attached to the restaurant that I was managing. And it was our fine dining section. And it was a train car, like, mm-hmm. a, like a dining car. It had, I don't know, it was, it was a dining car, right? I remember I used to go in there because I would have to do payroll. I'd have to do edits on payroll. Mm. It was just something you'd have to do as one of the duties. Yeah. And I would sometimes go in there just because it was quiet because it was a casino. It was a noisy place. And I remember once I was doing the edits and I heard something somebody walk up behind me. So I turned around to be like... What do you want? And there's nobody there. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So then I turn back around, start working on my edits. And then again, I hear someone walking up behind me. So I, I'm like, that's weird. So I turn around again. Nobody's there. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this is odd. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm going to finish my edits because this is ridiculous. There's clearly nobody behind me. I go back to doing my edits. And I hear somebody walking up behind me. And I'm like, I'm not falling for this. I don't know what this <laughs> is. And then I started to feel like cold. And it was when I started to feel cold, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do my edit somewhere else. (laughs) And the funny thing was I told somebody about that and they said, well, because it's an old dining car, maybe there's like a a spirit or something. And I'm like, and I said, no, because the funny thing is it wasn't a dining car. It was an old, like when they built, when they renovated the casino and turned it into a, or the train station turned into a casino, they just went and found an old rail car. Mm. And they renovated it. They gutted it and made the inside look like a dining room. It was never a dining car. Yeah. It like hauled grain for like 60 years or something huh. like that, right? And it was funny because I've always thought like if – and it's interesting now that I've learned for, heard from you about residual energy and stuff like that because I used to wonder if it was like you were a ghost and you were going to haunt something. Why would it be a grain what elevator? What a terrible thing to do <laughs> yeah. because it was – it's like this rail car. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I'll haunt yeah. this rail car. It'll be nice. I'll see the country. And then you go sit wherever they put abandoned rail cars for 30 years. Yeah. And you're like, well, this is terrible. Yeah. This is the worst. It can't get worse than this until one yeah. day they pull you out of the yard, put you on a truck, 
attach you to a casino and make you a restaurant. It's like winning a lottery for that ghost. No, it's the worst. (laughs) They go from being lonely to having something. Oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like people in a casino having dinner, it's like, Uh, oh, this is my life now. I remember also distinctly like my Miles, like when he was a baby and like Sean's mom had recently passed away and just like he would just sit in his chair and just sort of interact almost with nothing, right? Oh, yeah. And every little kid does it. Yeah, like just sort of like giggly and like laughing and like talking and it's like he's talking to no one right and you're just like yeah so i don't know well no one's told them that they shouldn't you know these things don't exist yeah so they they become very open to it and and kids especially kids and animals um i mean it's it's amazing what they they will pick up and and talk to and yeah and whatever and some of the best stories i think are you know cases and whatnot that, that you know i've had where a parent has passed away or something like that and everybody's expecting usually these the little kids to be devastated and usually they're the ones that end up co- like continuing that relationship and that conversation where it's the older people and the adults that are just, you know, completely ruined by it. And the kids are like, oh, no, no, she comes by all the time. It's fine. It's interesting. Is, is there anything weirder than when your dog stares at something that's not there and <laughs> yeah. is like very clearly paying attention to something that you can't see? My snake does that. I was I was leading <laughs> into that. your snake. Yeah, the snake. Okay, Morgan, yeah. you, Morgan, you got to tell us about the snake because I never heard about the okay. snake. <laughs> And when we were talking about having you in the boat podcast, both Jen and Kylie were like, you got to get her to talk about the snake. <laughs> you got to. I got, well, I, I, I use Galen as an example so often because he's, it's perfect. And uh, he's so he's he's a ball python. He's uh, about five feet long, I guess. Uh, he's going to be 17 in June. Um, wow. Yeah. So he's. he's <laughs> and how, how old was he when you got him? About six months. Oh, so you've had him for you've had him for like nearly half your years. life. Yeah. Wow. 17 years. He's, he's, and you've he's, had he's, your snake as long as I've had my daughter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's brilliant. He's, he's incredibly smart and, uh, and amazing little guy. He's just, he's just wonderful. Yeah. He's seen some really interesting things throughout the years. We, uh, his, his first encounter was with this bright ball of light that I actually saw with him. We were standing by his tank. He was little at the time. And uh, we saw this thing manifest close to the roof and it started to drift all the way down towards us. And it didn't, it didn't freak me out. I didn't know how he was going to react, but he was fascinated. It was like his whole face just lit up. It was like, Mm. what is this? I think because I wasn't afraid of it, he wasn't afraid of it. And uh, he thought it was really cool. But, but ever since then, um, like pythons, they've got this incredible ability to perceive their environment. So they see throughout the entire spectrum, right from infrared all the way to UV. Their perception of the world is miraculous. So they're seeing on on the best of days way more than we do. He, But he's, yeah, he's had a number of encounters. Probably the best ones um, have been who we think is my dad that actually comes and visits. Oh, wow. Because he recognizes whoever comes in. He's got a way of, when he, he knows somebody really well, um, he's got a way of greeting people. And you'll see him, he'll sit up and it's like, it, he gets excited and he, he does this little interaction with whoever it is. You can't break his focus. No matter what you do, you can't break his focus. But yeah, and then he'll, he'll, he'll play with them for a little bit and he'll usually follow them around the room. And then all of a sudden, it's like they just they'll disappear or they like move through a wall or something because he kind of looks confused. It's, it's like, where'd you go? And he looks around, looks around, and then it's like, okay, well, they're gone. Okay. And then he just, you know, carries on. But he'll do this for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. 
And oh, wow. it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. I wish I could see what he was seeing. Cause he gets, he's so happy when he sees them. So when you originally got a snake 17 years ago, did you think it was going to be like this or why did you originally buy a snake? Well, I've always had reptiles through my whole life. Um, I've had, a, I've had iguanas, I've had geckos. I've, I've yeah, I've, I've always loved reptiles. I'm allergic to fur. So that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, I like love ball pythons. I've heard nothing but great, you know, raving reviews about them, and whatever. And little Galen, I uh, had gone into the store the one day, and I wasn't intending on getting, wasn't intending on getting a snake. And the uh, one of the workers at the pet store uh, brought him out and was like, "Hey, do you want to? Well, do you want to hold him?" And this was so cool to always always remember this. I picked him up. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we just kind of had this little moment and he yawned and he curled up in my arms and fell asleep. And yeah. And it was like, okay, I guess this is, he's picked me. I guess this (laughs) is love at first sight. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and I brought him home. That's similar to what my dog did with me when I got him. You're not as grateful. No, I've got the worst dog (laughs) in the world. But yeah, I saw him and I was like, yeah, that's not the dog we want. Because we were looking we were looking for a dog at a certain point. This yeah. is like a long time ago. I remember this. Yeah. Because nobody uh, wanted him but you. You're like, oh, but he's so... No, no, no. I didn't want him. But oh. he, he walked up and Jake has a, Jake is my dog. He has this way of showing affection. He'll like walk up and lean against you. <laughs> so he walked up and he like leaned against me and looked up at me. And I'm like, what is he doing? And the people who were sheltering him at the time, because he was a rescue dog, they're like, oh, he likes you. He almost never goes up to people. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you're going to be my best friend. And I guess he is now yes, but yeah. he's like he's like the worst friend ever <laughs> he's like oh literally God. he's old he's got like these yeah we talked about <laughs> yeah. it before in the we podcast. don't need to get into yeah it he's a yeah. terrible dog Let's but he's my best friend Morgan. So. she's far more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so i guess what yeah. i should have done is i should have gotten a snake <laughs> well you know so when it, it's funny because yeah, as everybody thinks that you know they've, they've got these horrible stereotypes about them and they're completely wrong yeah, my siblings grew up with like snakes. My sister found one in a mall when she was working there and she brought it home. And I was just like, ugh. But really? Which sister? Alyssa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then all my siblings have had snakes. Yeah. Oh, really? Does yeah. she still have the snake? Oh, gosh, no. It didn't last long. But oh, no. it didn't? No. But my brothers have had snakes longer. My one brother had a couple at one point in time. Like, yeah. They, really? They How long do snakes it. normally last? Well, ball pythons can live into their 50s and 60s. So wow. Holy moly. Yeah. Do you have so- a... Can, Who are you leaving him to? Do you have a will for him? I, don't I know. know a guy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's like we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. It's funny because because uh, my boyfriend he never had any uh, uh, clue about snakes either. He was like just had no experience with them really. I would say most yeah, of so. us don't have any clue about <laughs> yeah, snakes. That's true. Yeah. No. No, I always send him. I'm, I'm sending him videos because uh, we. He lives in BC. I live here, and I'm always sending him like little videos of Galen and stuff like that. And he's always already blown away. He's just like, what is he doing now? <laughs> so we've got something else going on. So, oh my gosh! So going back to your dad visiting yeah. you. So when when spirits come down, how do you refer to them? I guess let me ask that. What's well, the correct term? Spirits, Spirit. Bob. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Bob. When yeah. Bobs come down, uh, you know, do they? Can they kind of go? Are there? Can they go anywhere, or are they often attached to certain things? And then when there's a haunting, and they're stuck, are they ever stuck in a place? Oh my God, Jen has thought about this. Yeah, this I like love this question. shit. Yeah, yeah, great <laughs> questions. Um, I, I think the the getting stuck thing is, is such a misnomer because it, that really started back kind of in the Middle Ages, uh, and even before that, when people believed that you know there were. The, vampires were to come back and get you and they got you know this mm-hmm. kind of thing um we've always had an innate fear of the dead uh, mainly because we've got 
dead bodies are dangerous. You know, we've got, they're rotting, it's bad meat, it's like, it's, it's bad. So I think- And that, we don't want to be one. <laughs> and we don't want to be one. It's exactly, yeah. right? So it's like, there's a number of reasons, I think, why we've got that fear, but um, the, 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 the getting stuck thing, really you can trace it back to a lot of uh, religions where they would say, you know, oh yeah, when your loved one is stuck, um, pay us an amount of money and we'll, we'll move them oh, over, yeah. right? It's the Catholics, yeah. <laughs> Dirty Catholics, yeah. <laughs> that stuck. Um, yeah. And of course, it's used by a lot of psychics and stuff as well, saying, you know, pay sure. us so much money and you'll person over. Um, but there's no statistical evidence for that at all. Okay. it's uh, it, They seem to just have complete free will to pop in, pop out. Um, and I think the, the phenomenon of residual energy has kind of led to that being a belief because a lot of the times residual energy is repetitive. You know, you'll see an apparition over and over and over again. They think, oh, that person's stuck there when it's not an actual intelligent entity. Mm, gotcha. Um, it's just energy. It's just energy. So I, I think I think there's a number of things that have kind of led to that idea, but, but yeah. yeah, they don't. Okay. So you haven't, so somebody calls you up and says, hey, Morgan, I've got something going on. What are your, what steps do you take to investigate it? Well, the first thing we always have to do is um, send us a timeline as to what's gone on. Um, and when we, when we do meet up with them, we try to meet up with them outside of the house because they usually by that time consider their environment a stressor. Mm-hmm. So we try to pull it out of that environment and we do a really thorough interview where, and everything from what medications you're on, drug interactions, um, history, um, all the stressors that are going on in your life. What was your childhood like? All of it. We, we really get down, down and dirty with the information. And uh, from that point on, you know, we can usually figure out by what they're telling us whether or not it's paranormal at all. Okay. Because a lot of the time it's not. You can explain it pretty quickly, which is why we we work with nurses and architects and plumbers and the works because... I don't know everything. So you really try to eliminate anything but the spiritual world world first. Oh, you have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to. Um, And usually you can do that pretty quick. Like within the first interview, you can figure it out. And you can usually... You know, when you understand the phenomena, it becomes a lot easier to to differentiate between things like mental illness versus mm, gotcha. paranormal activity as well. You can kind of start to pick that out. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a number of different things, and then you got to go to the house and 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 take a look and try to figure out what's going on. Okay, so if it is paranormal, what do you do at that point? You know, you you got to figure out what the interaction is and why. You know, we're not so much worried about the how because the how there's not enough known about this stuff to put your finger on it and go, you know, oh, that's, you know, that's what this is. Um, But we can turn around and we start looking at the why, you know, what is, what is creating if somebody's creating or has, you know, some sort of a negative haunting going on in their house. Okay, well, you know, the other half of that equation, you know, the other half of that equation is the living people. Mm -hmm. If the living people can get out of the headspace of whatever is perpetuating that's negative in their life, they're going to see this stuff disappear. So it's about the people. And you got to sit down and, and drill down as to like, okay, what is this reflecting? What do you need to clean up? So we're back to the people are always the problem. Always. Yep. <laughs> so the people the are, time, anyway. so the people are perpetuating energy and they can also draw in the paranormal is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, we're not separate from that. So they're not usually, so these spirits are paranormal. They're not usually attached to a place or a specific thing. It's the people drawing them in most of the time. Or it's the energy. Or it's the energy. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you, as I say, you kind of got to think about it like a, like a radio dial, right? Where it's like if you're, you're, you're tuning in with your emotions to various events and activity. Um, and then when you move up, 
you know, as you sort of move up that emotional scale to, to the, the more positive stuff, you end up attracting that. So you deal with the people and then the paranormal and all the activity tends to subside. That's it. Huh. I don't know how to ask this question, but it's funny. I get half formed thoughts. I'm the only one. I'm only only one of the three of us that's really drinking right now. So. Uh, hello. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm pretty deep into. I really okay, have to go to the you. washroom. Yeah. Well, go to the washroom. We'll ask this question. Well, I, can't, I don't want to miss anything. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, ask the question. Then can we take like just a fiver? Sure. Uh, okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, because we have the secret bathroom now. Yeah. Do you do you use just uh, this? Uh, was a weird question to ask. You go in and you the first one on the right. Yes. Yeah, use a different one. Why? I thought we'd just I don't know. dirty yeah. one instead of multiple. Because I don't want you using the same one I use. <laughs> okay, you need to just like get rid of that. We use. Okay, the same. I'm gonna. You use that one. I'll use a different one. Okay. I went in there. You made a comment last time about the toilet paper. I went in and I saw the toilet paper. I'm like, ugh, we're using the same bathroom. <laughs> Lord, you've got issues. Anyway, yeah, we found on. a secret source of bathrooms that's closer to our yeah. studio. So anyway, uh, my question is: so I'm 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 a really big believer in in what you put out. Energy you put out is is what you bring back. And and you're saying that the energy that you put out kind of comes back to you as well in terms of this, right? Absolutely. So, so do you generally speaking, if, if somebody is to say, Hey, there's something going on and it's negative, do you find the rest of their life is also negative? In yeah. other words, do you, do you find that they're people who are, they're unhappy in their job, they're unhappy in I'm their relationships. you haven't attracted some paranormal activity. To <laughs> Maybe I'm just not aware of it. Jen. No, I'm a pretty positive person. You, oh my God. I can't even take you seriously right now. I want you to bring me one person who says you are a pretty positive person. I'll take anyone. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Silence. And, yeah. and when you see people with really positive interactions, do, do they tend to have really good lives? You know what I'm getting at. I completely know what you're getting at. And you're, you're spot on. You know, there's, there's usually something that's going on. And, and sometimes it can be something that's just unhealed. You know, as somebody who, say, for example, has, you know, pulled themselves out of an abusive relationship. I had a, a case like that a, a couple of years ago where um, it was a, a lady who had pulled herself out of a horribly abusive relationship, her and her son. And um, they had gotten into better relationship, had a great guy, though their lives seemed to be going okay. But she did absolutely nothing to clean up the trauma and abuse that had gone on in the relationship prior. And uh, it had been sort of a, an issue throughout her life. She had uh, issues when she was a kid with, with abuse. And it sort of compounded itself, I guess, with this with this past relationship. So even though her current situation, like she was doing really, really good, apart from this negative entity and negative haunting that was going on, her, you know, nothing had, had, been, had been healed up. And what was interesting was that the entity itself was extremely physically abusive towards her and oh, really didn't care about her husband at all you know would mostly respect the husband for the most part but was after her like white on rice and uh she couldn't figure out why she couldn't figure out why this was going on and i said well look at the dynamic that you've got going here you're going to recreate this and in various ways whether it be with a living person or something else i said you're going to recreate this until you stop that bleeding and, and heal that wound and whatever so she got herself into therapy pretty quick after that but it's it like that's interesting yeah it's really fascinating so have you ever in, in your experience are there purely malevolent 
spirits or whatever you want to call it. Is there? Because I think a lot of times people think of this or you hear a noise or what you explained happened in your kitchen when you were a child and things like that. And it makes people fearful. Are there things to be afraid of? Uh, well, I think, yeah. I mean, like there's there's definitely stuff that's on that, that negative end of the emotional spectrum that can be aggressive, can be violent, can be you know, really particular about their space, um, almost act almost like guard dogs in a in an area. So have they caused harm? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think, you know, there's there's sort of a difference between fear and respect out of these uh, out of this. And people often ask me, like, well, are you afraid of this stuff? The answer is, well, no, I, I respect it. I, I respect that there's an energy there that is it's bigger than me. It's tougher than me. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. You know, it can do some damage um, in the same way that, you know, if you you know, I'm a fire performer. I respect fire in the same way where it's like that fire can kick your ass if it wants to, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to these things, we have to, we have to understand that. Yeah. Like there's, there's that negative end of it and whatever. But as soon as we kind of start dipping into that, that fear side, um, you know, that you're, you're going to, you're going to run into trouble. I guess, I don't know. I just want to dive into some of your cases and stuff. Sure. If that's, if this is a good time to do that. Jen's back from the bathroom in yeah. case anybody's Woo! wondering. I ran, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. You didn't put the toilet seat down, so I'd appreciate it if you'd use another bathroom. See, that's, I will. I will, I will use a different one. I know, because when it's an emergency, I don't have to put the toilet seat down. Look, fair enough. Anyways, fair enough. okay, Gary. <laughs> Um, all right. So yeah. So, so what is some of your, well, first of all, I have to ask you this because if I don't ask now, I might forget, but my sister wanted me to ask you about the Westmount hospital, like the, what's it called? Charles something. Oh, the Charles Council. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been there? Have you had any experience with it? It's a pretty creepy place. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a crazy place. And it's probably one of the places with some of the most disturbing history of all of Alberta. Um, I, uh, was actually, I was born at that hospital and Were you? Uh, I was, Right? <laughs> yeah. Claim to fame here. Yeah, that is claim to fame. <laughs> claim to fame. Like, so I, I was born there. But um, yeah, like the, the hospital itself, uh, I've, I, I investigated way back. Uh, this was, oh my God, 15 plus years ago now, I guess, probably more, when it was being used as a, a film set because it was uh, okay. used by Dan Aykroyd and uh, Dave Foley and whatever to, to shoot movies. And um, I got to take a look around at that point in time. I had some really amazing things happen. But the history of the council, I think we should start there because sure. the, the the building itself, it used to actually be two buildings and then it was torn down and the current one that we see now is was erected. And that one lasted until about 1996 and then it closed stores during the 1950s it had a just a ridiculous history uh, up north we had a tuberculosis outbreak what they did and it was as it, was, it got to be quite horrific they would create what they called x-ray tours and what they would do is they would actually put a bunch of physicians on an airplane send them up north uh, to places like vermilion and, and places like that and they would basically go into these first nations camps and, and settlements and stuff like that and point their finger and go and go you've got tb you've got tb you've got tb you can't see your family anymore get on a plane you have to go to the council so these x-ray tours they bring all these people and keep in mind they don't speak english right they're, they're like can you imagine like being in this community and being like 
told by a bunch of people who don't speak your language to get on a plane. So they get on the plane, they come, they're, they're brought back in these, in these x-ray tours to, uh, to the council. And most of them don't leave because at the time that there's no cure for TB. So they had to essentially wait it out. And uh, people were there for anywhere from, you know, five weeks to 10 years. Oh, it was terrible. But what got worse was that when these people passed away, what was happening was that the families were going, okay, are you going to send us our loved one back? Where's the body? And there became quite an uproar because they're like, what's going on? Like, where's our loved one? We can't bury them. And when Jean Chrétien was our health minister at the time, and uh, when he started to dig into it, he realized that something that was just, it was bloody terrible. What they were doing was creating mass graves and just dumping the bodies. So on the ground at Enoch Reserve, St. Albert was another burial ground. So um, I, I, sorry, I don't know this. Where is this hospital? West, it's like a Westmount. It's in the Westmount area. Yeah, it's right, actually, right near Westmount. So it's in School. the city. Yeah, yeah. So they people would pass away, and then they would remove the bodies to mass graves. Yeah, and what was and what made it worse was that they were using the kids allegedly from the residential schools to dig the to dig the graves. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! It, so wow. it was vicious. Like just it was just vicious. Yeah. And the uh, so they they dug up as much as many of the people that they could to identify to try to send these bodies back. But at this point, I mean, the damage is done. I mean, the, the abuses that were going on and then mm-hmm. that were reported by the people that were, that were patients was egregious. I mean, they were being mistreated. There was, a, it was horrific. So, so now anyway, you've got this, you know, you've got this hospital, which eventually, you know, becomes a regular hospital again and, uh, and ends up closing just due to, you know, negligence and, you know, other better hospitals were built and whatever in 1996. So this place now sits, was sitting empty, right? 20 years, this place is sitting empty. Nobody could figure it out um, until finally there were about, I think it was like 19 investors decided that they were going to go in on it and, and, and buy this place. So many of the investors ended up checking out because they realized this place was full of asbestos. It was, I mean, it was a train wreck. The building was a train wreck. So they ended up, you know, just they were losing investors. The construction seemed to go on forever. And it wasn't until I was doing, uh, I was doing one of my, my tours, my educational tours, that we, we make the council a stop to tell this history, to explain this to people. We were experiencing some really cool activity around there. People were getting some weird photos and whatever. And um, we, were, we wanted people to understand what had gone on. And finally, the one night, we had a fellow who... He was like sitting at the back of our, our tour bus pretty much the whole night, not saying anything. And I, I, to the point where like, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading my crowd and I couldn't even tell whether this guy was enjoying himself. I didn't like, he was so quiet. <laughs> and so finally he hadn't said a word and I was telling the story and somebody put up their hand and asked, you know, well, you know, why, why is the construction taking so long? And at the time I was just saying, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know. Like this is, this, I know the building's got a lot of problems. This guy puts his hand up. For the first time, he says, I can tell you why it's taking so long. And we all looked at him because we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. yeah. Like, what is going, you know? And he said, I can tell you why they're, they're taking so long. He said, the, he said they, they can't keep a construction crew because the place is so haunted. We can't keep, I can't keep crew. And we said, I said, okay, who are you? And he said, I'm the construction foreman. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. So yeah, it was, it was very interesting. So but we, when I was listening to the story, I just want to say like, when you said he's, he put up his hand and said, I can tell you why. And you said, why did you think he was a ghost in my mind? He drew himself (laughs) up and stood up for some reason to talk. Yeah. And he was nearly seven feet tall. (laughs) 
and translucent, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a he had a big overcoat on and a hoodie, and then when he spoke, it was like I'm a construction foreman. <laughs> So, so there is probably, so like you've said, you've been there, you sort of investigated it. So what's there? Is it, it must be negative energy, I would assume. Based is it, on the and what's, what's the construction? Is it being turned into like a, it's I'm going to guess an apartment? I don't know. Yep. You're dead. What? It is. Holy fuck. Imagine into, living there. Yep. <laughs> it's being turned into condos. It's, it's been gutted and it's being turned into condos. Totally. Just, oh my I just God. don't know if I would live there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, well, there's a lot been a lot of controversy around it. Um, there I, was this movie when I was a kid about people who built a house on an indigenous burial ground. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Poltergeist. <laughs> and that did not paint a good no, picture. No, it didn't work out well. So, so to think of a hospital where like I don't know. many, many, many <laughs> met their doom. Yeah. I feel like you put a premium on it. There's people out there who want to live in haunted places. Nobody you know? wants to live in that. <laughs> So what's there? Obviously, I would assume a negative energy. Well, they, you know, they've, it, it's going to be interesting to see because they they got they gutted the whole thing. I mean, it's it's unre- like they they kept the shell, but it's unrecognizable on the inside. And so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, when I was there, it was a lot of residual energy. A lot of recordings that came back were very much residual. Um, we didn't really have a lot of physical stuff go on. Construction foreman reported that there was a lot of physical stuff going on. Okay. Sorry, um, so, just to interrupt. What's residual energy when you say that? What does that mean? So residual energy was was what I explained before. Where um, it's the repetitive of, um, uh, events that seem to be happening over and over again in the space. Nothing. Conscious. So nothing new. Nothing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's nothing. First Nations people screaming in pain, Jen. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. Like my goodness. Well, it's. And- yeah, it's it's really it's disturbing. I think it's absolutely disturbing. So when you think about, we'll talk about Alberta and then we'll move up to maybe Canada. But when you think about Alberta, what is sort of the most unsettling place you've been to? I think the council's got to be up there. Um, just knowing, uh, you know, what people endured there uh, yeah. is is pretty unsettling. But I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, different legends and and stuff like that, and stuff that has has proven to be to be accurate. Over the years, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at different pieces of land, um, like there's areas in St. Albert, for example, that have been uh, plagued by uh, First Nations legend, but it's not legend to me anymore, called the Wendigo. Um, oh, the Wendigo. I don't know what that is. What's yeah. the Wendigo? So, Let her talk. Yeah. So Wendigo is, uh, it's usually not discussed in the winter at all by uh, First Nations people. It's, it began with the Algonquin tribe, but there's legends of it both in the in Cree, uh, uh, Métis, all, all throughout uh, Canada, the, the U.S., the Great Lakes region. Uh, but basically what it is, is the, the First Nations people believe that when in times of hard winter, uh, in times of like famine and loss and isolation that there's an entity that's known as as a wendigo that will show up and has either the capability of of eating you or causing you to eat your family they're one a good option the wendigo is bad (laughs) the wendigo is bad and it it, uh it was actually the the, a controversy that in alberta that started just in st albert actually uh with a case uh a fellow known as swift runner and swift runner in the late 1800s uh he ended up doing just that he ended up he killed his entire family and cooked them and ate them and just came down to uh st albert to the mission that's still there it's still on the, the in the cemetery there he had knocked on the door and father lacombe of lacombe was running it at the time and he said look you know i've i've, I've starved i've uh you know my, my family's starved to death in the wilderness is like i don't know what to do 
And when he, they let him in, they knew the guy. He was a, he was a guide and a trapper. And uh, they let him in. But what they noticed was the fact that this was a strapping guy. Like he was six foot five and like two hundred pounds, well over two hundred pounds. Um, he didn't look like he'd been starving to death in the Alberta winter. And uh, the First Nations people in Legal and Lake Manawan area had said, "No, like it's been good hunting. Like there's no reason for this." So when they let him in. Over the next number of nights, he they could hear him screaming in his room that the Wendigo was coming through his window and was trying to kill him. So they ended up calling the, the Northwest Mounted Police at the time, who were stationed in Fort Saskatchewan. They came down and uh, they arrested him and said, you need to tell us where your family is, like what's going on. And so after kind of a wild goose chase around Egg Lake and like Manawan in that area, they uh, he finally brought them to a campsite where his family was had been staying and oh what they uncovered was it was horrific they had he had there was there was bones everywhere where he had you know, cut the bones open and drank the marrow there was you know skulls with like human fat boiled up in the there was like he wow. just decimated the, these people and uh he was said to have gone out onto the lake because the the lake where this was where this happened kind of had like an island in it. Of course, everything was frozen. And he went out to the the lake and he howled and he said, "This is this was the Wendigo." So they arrested him, got him back to Fort Saskatchewan where they held him. And uh, the police officers who we ended up we, we got into their journals because they uh, the the officers who were staying there at the time journaled all of this. You can you can read it. And they said he he terrified them because he was a very very nice guy and they would hear him in the middle of the night just screaming bloody murder in his cell that this thing was coming to get him so he ended up becoming the first legal hanging in alberta in, in wow saskatchewan yeah so there's there's some pretty wow. disturbing disturbing tales in uh yeah in, in the province and so you said no longer legend to you so you believe it to be an there, actual there is something to it um my, yeah. my friend matt um who i've worked with now for almost almost the full 20 years he he uh, had a, a close encounter with something in that area when he was a kid, and it lasted for quite a long time. And it, it haunted; it still haunts him to this day um, hmm. as to, to what happened. So, and stuff he couldn't explain. So, I mean, there's there's definitely something going on. That the forensic uh, forensic psychologists and, and whatnot have, have looked at cases of, of Wendigo because there's plenty of them, yeah. uh, and none of them can come to a conclusion as to what this is and what's going on. It's it's really weird. So last time we when we had breakfast together, you had sort of mentioned um, sort of the indigenous community that you've had a few or you seem to have a bulk of your cases there. Is it just because of the history or like, you know, what is it about that that sort of seems to be um, so prevalent? And well, if I could just guess before yeah. you answer, yeah, because, because I won't go into it now, although it's a fascinating story. <laughs> um, but there have been so many outrageous wrongs yeah. done to indigenous like people. Like traumas over the past. and stuff. Oh, just yeah. stuff you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It, and I won't tell the story, but just look up how the town of Indian Head got its name mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan. I, I would say that if there are places or anything that have a lot of negative energy in this part of the world, it would almost by default be connected to indigenous people. Yeah, just because of the trauma and then oh, I guess like outrageous, the length of trauma, right? Trauma, like yeah. length we're talking yeah. about. And, ha- and, and I, I, I'm not going to get on a soapbox or anything because I think people, white people, uh, 150 years ago were just so incredibly ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were in a new world and they didn't know what was going on and everything was weird. But yeah, the things that happened, because whatever the intention was behind it, if you're an indigenous person 150 years ago, or even like 75 years ago, Mm -hmm. right. And you're having what you just described happening to them with the tuberculosis and stuff like that. 
imagine the trauma. Yeah, like just sure. imagine it because yeah. you're still a human being, right? Yeah. Well, it's generational trauma, you know, yeah, for that, sure. that yeah, gets yeah. passed down. And uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think it's funny because I, uh, before the, the pandemic, I was, I was teaching in a number of different colleges and uh, I was uh, basically teaching, well, teaching the living program to uh, social work programs and uh, psychology programs and stuff like that. And uh, most of them were indigenous. It was so interesting because the depending on which generation you talk to, it seems to depend on where their level of belief kind of lies with it. You know, a lot of the younger people are just, they shut it out like, oh, it's old stories, it's old stories, where, you know, you get into yeah. the the older generations and they go hell hell no it isn't but i mean i've learned a ridiculous amount from from both clients from students and then just just as say my own cases that i mean there is definitely so much more to the what we would consider stories yeah yeah, I was going to say, I remember last time we were talking, you were talking about a case where you were on um, someone's house and that you'd kind of gone back another time and it was it was on Indigenous land that all this was happening. And so, you know, you'd sort of referenced that. So, yeah. And uh, being out in the woods. Yeah. And that case is, we're, we've still got it going on. Uh, we're just waiting for the snow to melt because we have to... Well, give us some yeah. detail, you guys. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You'd uh, have to have breakfast with Morgan to find out. All right. No. <laughs> next time I'm at the airport. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, so it no, it's a, it's a fascinating case because it's uh, it's it's out uh, south south of Edmonton. Actually, not that far from the airport. Probably about twenty minutes, half an hour from. Great, the airport. we're gonna drive there um, afterwards. Give us the address. <laughs> yeah. But the, the property. I can guess where she's talking about, Jen. We're not welcome. <laughs> the property is 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 beautiful. Um, it was. Uh, the clients had bought this this acreage, uh, wanting to to build a, a their their dream home, basically. And they've done an incredible job with the land and everything, except the energies on this land absolutely can't stand it when they renovate. So they've had they've had some pretty crazy stuff happen, but probably one of the most unique things uh, that is, has shown up. And and you hear this throughout uh, in indigenous uh, the indigenous culture, and now through cryptozoology, is um, uh, these stories of dogmen. And what people report is seeing sort of these upright canid creatures that are huge one like usually on on highways um you know seen on the side of the road prairie prairie land and and stuff like this and and the belief is is that they're put there um this is fantastic that's cool hey and they are put there by these you know by first nations people and and uh and whatnot to protect burial ground so anyway, so this this client's house, which is something, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful property. They ended up seeing uh, one of these things on numerous occasions. They they saw it once climbing their roof. Oh my gosh! Um, I think it was I think it was her husband had gone out the one morning. He had started his his pickup. He, he's an oil rig guy, and um, he started his pickup truck. And he came out in the early morning, and it was sitting in the back of his truck. And it looked at him and just let out with a growl that it it scared the living hell out. He came back in the house and he was like he was like well i'm late for work i mean i'm <laughs> going to work um, <laughs> yeah, no yeah until this thing gets out of the back of his truck so and i mean these are probably two of the most the most level-headed just kind down-to-earth people his his wife is a uh, a very highly qualified social worker these people are some of the level-headed people you ever want to meet so when we went out we uh, have been out there now a, a number of times to to check out the property, and there's no mistaking when you go out there that you know something's watching. Um, you feel like you're getting wow. 
watched by a wild animal. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's really incredible. But one night our photographer and I, we, uh, we had left quite late. And when we went out to the car, the property backs onto this huge treed area and it's dense. And we could see something standing, moving in the branches of the trees. And the trees are quite thin, but you could see this very thin sort of gaunt shape moving. We knew we were being watched. And uh, we were very, very careful. We, we kind of backed our way up, got in the car and uh, whatever. And within about 10 minutes of getting on the road, the, the owner, she, she texted us and said, you know, did by any chance, did you see something out in the, in the woods? And we said, yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, we're pretty sure that we, we were kind of watched all the way out the, the, out the driveway. And uh, she's heard one dog that's this great big, beautiful, huge mountain dog, great big thick fur, and uh, just the laziest old thing. I mean, he, he porcupine once bedded down in his doghouse and he didn't even bark, right? So he's, oh my gosh. yeah, this kind of a dog, this dog's going absolutely batshit nuts out on the back porch and just barking at something that is he's seeing in the in the woods and eventually finally it, it you know wandered away but so there's a lot been a lot of that as well and uh, those are reported in alberta too these these kind of these canid type creatures it's really interesting i'm finding more and more and more because we've talked about it a couple times in the podcast now plus there's an amazing friggin' show i don't know if it's on amazon or netflix right now <laughs> i don't know if you guys have seen this about a murder where sasquatch Oh, it's on I want to see. Oh that. my god! Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. my god! I'm two. Hulu. I'm two shoes. Two shows into it. Was the, the Sasquatch that murdered those people? Yeah, those people, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. The guys, yes, the, the yeah, guy, yeah. Oh, that is such a great show. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. not the end of it yet. I haven't but seen I am, it yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh it's my fantastic. god! Like, like there is yeah. so much. We had a guy on our podcast, Jeremy Nori. Yeah who does a lot of um, different documentaries. And we talked a little bit about Big Bigfoot. And it's funny because he's done all these documentaries and he's a real skeptic. Yeah. But yeah. the guy who makes this one about about Sasquatch murdering these three people, yeah. he doesn't know. And he's completely open-minded, but he had an experience. He was there. He overheard people talking about it once, right? Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm getting so like sucked into this cryptozoology thing. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And, and so like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so... Is there any connection? So you're, you're investigating this thing on this property. There's this, the, this dogman thing. Is there any connection between residual energies or, or, or any of this other stuff and cryptozoology? Is like a, it a common theme or is this like a one-time Sorry, thing? Sorry, just dumb seen? it down for me. What's cryptozoology? It's Bigfoot. It's Wendigo. Okay. It's, so it's like it's any like larger than life animals. No, cryptozoology is uh, the study of animals that we that we can't prove exist okay yeah like the the coelacanth the coelacanth was once a cryptid the gorilla was once a cryptid. exactly yeah oh, okay okay but like like Loch Ness monster ogopogo we've yeah. talked about it a few times but the yeah. biggest one obviously is sasquatch right. bigfoot yeah. especially right? in, in here yeah 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 oh, yeah yeah absolutely and you know yeah absolutely you know it's there is a there is definitely an, an overlap um i think you know especially when you get into things like the dogmen and whatever um you know if you look at cases like uh the beast of bray road in wisconsin or uh the michigan dogman for instance um the beast which is same phenomenon just different location um the, the beast of bray road has been tr they've tried to track it on a, on a number of occasions there's a fellow uh, out that way who has a, a farm um, who has seen it multiple times on his on his farm, and uh, they've had put up trail cams with with meat and stuff like that, trying to get a photo of this damn thing. And what's been really interesting is that they they will catch these sort of mists in the photos, um, and they'll something that has mass will trigger the trail cam because unless it has mass, it's not going to yeah. the camera's not going to go off. 
and they'll get there in the morning and the camera's been triggered and the meat's gone and there's no photo. Hmm. And they just get these misty kind of shapes. So I think there's there's something going on there that's not yeah, quite this, biological. Yeah, this is something I could, this is like a, a bone I could chew for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I love, this stuff. My, I love this stuff. Do you want to hear my theory? Yeah, yes. for sure. Do you want to hear my theory? Yeah. I accept 100%, and we've talked about this before, that we are, that it is all energy. Right? Yes. Everything is energy and everything that we see and feel and touch is a, is, a, is a bit of an illusion, but it's real to us, right? Sure, it's real yeah. to us. So just like you said, what was it you said could see... Oh, snakes can see like infrared and they can see UV, like ultraviolet. Yeah. They can see a bigger spectrum of us. I think that there's this reality where energy kind of convalesces into matter mm-hmm. and there's different wavelengths. And I think that literally we, we can see what we can see. Ah. what we're supposed to see. And I think there's this whole other like dimension, if you will. So you think Sasquatches are kind of part of this other dimension? I think Sasquatch, I think UFOs. I think the fucking fact that the Pentagon just released all those crazy fucking UFO videos. And they're like, yeah, we've had this for a long time, but we don't know what it is. (laughs) And there's this, all this crazy shit. I think that we, our brains and, and are like our, our, you know, ever since for the past hundred thousand years as animals, we've been learned, We've learned to perceive a certain wavelength, if you will, right? But I think, and you can't see me, but my hands are relatively close together because I'm on a podcast. No, but I'm on video. No, I mean people listening. (laughs) And now, as my hands go slightly farther apart, I'm like, we can perceive this narrow bit. And as my hands go slightly, but this is what there is. Yeah. Right. And yeah. every now and then, like in the fucking Pacific Northwest, yeah. all the way kind of so up to here, but Bermuda not really. So Triangle, kind of all part of that, you think? All of it. Yeah. I think all of it. I think there's this huge expansion, sure. whatever. Oh and God. I think that there's a few of us, right? Yeah. Like me, I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm special. No, no, no. I'm not special. I'm not special. I'm. 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 Uh, uh, well, the word used to be retarded. But we're not allowed to <laughs> we're use not, that we word. We can't anymore. say that, David. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I'm. But the way I'm retarded is in the terms of my perception of color. Yeah, right? you're very retarded. I'm there. very yeah. colorblind. Right, yeah. so I can't see the colors you can see, Jen. Yeah, I can't see the colors you can see more. The world is o- right? more open to me than it is to you. It is. It is yeah. right. And but I'm thinking there's maybe people out there so who think, are capable yeah. of perceiving things that the rest of us can't. So so I think people who see Bigfoot are just sort of have like a peek behind the veil that most of us can't yeah, see. Yeah, they, they could just see a little bit more of the spectrum than the rest yeah. of us. And when... Or if they're high enough or on mushrooms, maybe they can see more. Yeah, and that's been talked about. Yeah, Maybe, yeah, yeah. right? That was a stab Jen just took. No, me, no, think, but, seriously. Oh, you're being serious? Yeah, I yeah, know that's, that's, that's actually, that's been, been looked at. Yeah, that the combination of yeah. things like LSD. Where, where, where I think yeah. that if Because I think you, it opens your brain more when you're on LSD and all the, like it opens yeah. your brain more. Well, and I right? think that there is, when you talk to people, because there is a hundred, I would say the majority of people that you talk to, when you say, you know, everything is energy and, and, and stuff like this, they're like, no, it's not, right? And they want to be very matter of fact about the world. Yeah. Because they have a really narrow perception, right? And I think there is a gift that some people have where they can just take a step back. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to say it other than that. They could just take a step back and look at things. And it's like they look at things differently. (sighs) Reminds me of the movie Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I've never seen it. Watch it. Yeah, that was a that was a really good one. I th- I think you're you're spot on with what you're saying, though. I mean, I think you know the ability to just even just to take time out and pause and look. A lot of people don't do, let alone with an open mind. Yeah, you know, I think I think people don't do that. So when they're hiking, when they're doing these things, they're so lost in their head. When I was uh, long before uh, Entity Seeker uh, had started, for a little while, I was actually uh, I was working at West Edmonton Mall. And my job was to socialize, oddly enough, socialize the reptiles for 
public oh. for the public. And oh, wow. it was it was cool a great job. Yeah, it was a really good, yeah. was a really cool little job and and whatever. But one of the things that I would do is I would take some of these like huge, they huge snakes down in the uh, down in the, that one area down there um, where the public can hang out the caves. And um, so one of the things that I would do is I would take them out because they were really friendly. And I just walk them, walk around the mall with them just to get them used to people and crowds and, and whatever. And they always had they had a really good time. And but what was so interesting was that only people that would see them were the people that already had snakes. So all the all the snake parents out there were just really? like, "Oh, he's beautiful." Everybody else was so lost in their own thought. It was really? very rare that somebody would actually stop and go, oh my God, there's a, you're holding a seven foot boa that's like the size of a tire. Yeah. And they were huge. Like, I mean, let's say the one snake I was, I was carrying around, she was, she was such a sweetheart, uh, but she was massive and I'm, I'm short. I'm like five, two. So she's like, she was huge. And, and we would go shopping together. We always had a lot of fun, but she, <laughs> she was like, nobody would see her. And people were just so blinded to exactly what was in front of them. Yeah, see, I, I think I think that's the exact same thing. Totally, but it's with everything else. It's yeah. with laws of the universe, and yeah. it's yes. with it's with yeah. it's whatever it is, right? Yeah. It's whatever it is. Yeah. And I think there's just people who are blessed yeah. with sight, and yeah. there's people who aren't, right? I think, yeah, totally. I think that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I think that's so, the first too. time Jen's ever said that. I know it's the first time I've ever agreed with you. You've yeah. heard it here first, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's so narrow-minded to think that there's not more out there, right? Like, I think it's just so... There's absolutely of more Of course yeah. there is, right? Like, of course it, there like, is. Like the people who are, oddly enough, Jeremy, remember yeah. the, the guest well, he that does we a had. lot of mushrooms, so he's seen a whole but, different Yeah, but he, was, but he was very, he was a, sure, he was cynical, he right? Was, like yeah. he wanted evidence. He's done multiple documentaries on Bigfoot and doesn't believe it exists Yeah, anymore. exactly, yeah. exactly. Because he, it's almost like he's become a bit jaded, right? Yeah. This is, this is something I wish I had more time to go, a rabbit hole I wish I had more time to go down yeah. to. Well, you should just right? give up the podcast. You could go down this rabbit hole and then pop up in a few months. Yeah, I could get one of those big <laughs> neck beards and stuff. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go hybrid. If you yeah. ever get COVID, oh, you're vaccinated. Shit. Get the crazy. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. too late for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I think you know anything, especially when it comes to to animals and stuff like that. I mean, it was just recently they found it was something like a new species of chimp or something like that. Like it was. Oh. Yeah, it was some ridiculous thing, and it's like you know everybody's saying, oh, all these big animals they've already been discovered. That's insane. That's just insane. What was it Jeremy said that 400 species a year are discovered or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's like there's so much that we have no but idea. But he doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. I think I think Bigfoot strikes a, a note with people though. And I, I think the paranormal does as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because people that are – and this is what I found with skeptics just in general – is that because there's a plethora of evidence out there that psi phenomenon exists, that all of this is, is real. I mean, this we are not lacking in, in scientific evidence, although the skeptics would like to lead you to believe so. Princeton has has a parapsychology lab, Ed, University of Edinburgh. I mean, all the best universities in the world are studying this. But you bring that to the, the table of, of a skeptic, and the first thing they want to try to do is discredit it. And when they can't discredit it, then automatically it's either a hoax or it's they, they will find some way to dismiss it or they don't want to have the conversation. And what I found is that most people like that are very much afraid of anything that they can't perceive outside of their physical experience. Mm-hmm. They're trying yeah. to grapple yeah. with what's in front of them. And if you offer in something that they can't see, it's too much. 
Yeah. So I, I think when it comes to things like like Bigfoot and whatnot, I think it's a little bit a little bit uncanny valley for some people. And then you've got that other aspect as well that it's like if that's real, then now what? What do I do? Like, what do I do with my perception of the world now? And I, and I think people have been raised nowadays. Although it's interesting, because I mean, there's so many conspiracy theories now. I, I think it's almost like we're getting to a point where there's a reverse, where people are sort of, you know, were raised one way 20 oh, years ago. And oh God, of, we're starting a whole new podcast no, here. Just, time. <laughs> no, but I was gonna, I was gonna say that. But the point of a lot of conspiracy theories, yeah, a, a lot of the conspiracy theories are designed to keep you under someone's thumb, right? But I mean, like the conspiracy it's, it's theories control, are like, whereas, I don't want to be under someone's thumb, right? Like that's their their yeah, perspective. But, yeah, but that's Ask what questions, that's what they're feeding. Child- Challenge everything, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. But but a lot of this stuff, like one of the big reasons why people don't want to believe in things like Bigfoot and, and the paranormal and all this stuff is because there's there's no money behind it. Right. But it's interesting because, I mean, how many Bigfoot, you know, documentaries are there or how many Bigfoot, like the Finding Bigfoot? Like, I mean, there's a huge industry. But what did Jeremy around- say about this? Right. This is that's an excellent point. Yeah. Because one of the things that Jeremy said where causes all of that to end is proof that Bigfoot exists. For sure. Right? So, pro- so that's true. Proving so, it ends So the, this. the money yeah. and everything yeah. isn't saying, well, here's something interesting, but none of it really exists. Yeah. Yeah, because then it true. gets to perpetuate, right? Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I hate to be the guy who says uh, this yet. Every why do you podcast, ruin everything, Every podcast, David? I'm the guy who oh. says this. We're almost at the end We're of our time here. Time. Yeah. No, Any, yeah. What's your favorite story to tell, Morgan? End us off with something spectacular. Although I got to be honest, the freaking Camsel hospital one is, yeah. I, we, John and I found it like accidentally one day. We were like just driving around Westbound yeah. and my parents used to live there and we like stumbled into it. It was like, holy fuck, it's creepy. All right. <laughs> Maybe not anymore, but it was. Yeah, your, your favorite story to tell, what is it? Oh end my us gosh. off with a bang. Okay, I'll end us, end, end us off with a bang. Um, no okay. pressure. No pressure. Oh, jeez. You know? Um, okay, so I, I, this is this is kind of a, jeez, David. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so Jen just threw, <laughs> and I have no idea if there's going to be a negative thing. Jen just threw a can at all of our equipment, and the the people can't see it, but look at how it is. <laughs> the entire can split and spayed soda water over the equipment. So if this ends, everybody. That's what happened. Oh Holy shit. The mixer, my phone, all the electrical stuff. That could not have gone worse. I don't know why you get a drunk person to throw you things. Like, that's on you, boo. Oh, my God. I didn't think the can would fail like that. Oh, my God. All right. Your okay. worst story ever. I'm impressed, too, that nothing has just quit. Like, that's... You still that's Ma- have- Mackie mixers, baby. You still don't have any soda water. Though. Mackie's thing is built like a tank. There are literally puddles of soda water on the mixer. And everything's going fine. So okay, I'll I'll end I'll end this on a on a really uplifting one because this one's really cool. This is super cool. So there is a uh a, well what used to be you know, a train station here in in Edmonton called uh it was originally the Iron Horse when it was still my client. Oh, but, I fucking love the Iron Horse. Yeah, but it's, it's the market or MKT. MKT now. Anyway. now. Yeah, yeah, it's MKT. And uh, so for those of you guys who are listening that don't know, it's it's like a uh, it's a restaurant slash bar. They make great food. And uh, what we used to do when I was still doing uh some of our our the fireside ghost experience tours is we would start them there and uh, people would go for dinner and we'd kind of hang out. But the reason why we chose it was because the place itself ended up to be 
really, really active. I was called there because the owner had wanted uh, somebody to figure out why his staff kept leaving. His staff was in and out and, uh, you know, they didn't want to lock up at night. He had an idea if he calls you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most people go to yeah. HR, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, they do. Well, I've got a lot of turnover. Let's yeah. call Morgan. Well, Next time we have a lot out. of turnover, yeah, we'll call you. Yeah. Well, they they were you know, reporting that they were you know not alone upstairs. They were they were freaked out. It was there was all sorts of things going on. But I don't think he wanted to you know draw any specific conclusions. But when we got there, we had some we had some pretty cool stuff happen. One of the things being that we would hear on the upper floor the giggling of a little girl. There was nothing creepier. Nothing creepier. <laughs> of a little girl. Oh my god! If you're going to make a movie and it's creepy, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that clued him in that there might be something like really paranormal going on was that he was getting these basically these grandfathers that were coming with their grandkids to the bar, and it was quite late at night, and they would knock on their door and say, "Hey, can you know can we show the grandkids around?" Turned out these guys were actually engineers. And what they remembered while it was still a train station was that they were, they had befriended a spirit of a little girl who would show up middle of the night ish on the upper floor of MKT and they loved her. And so they would bring, they wanted to bring their kids back over and over to, 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 so they could have that same relationship with them. But what was neat was that when we were up there, we had just left our cameras out and, and whatever, and we would start to set up and we heard, we heard the giggling. And we would go over to where it seemingly originated from, and we would hear footsteps run from one side of the room all the way to the other. And we'd follow it, and then we'd hear the giggling. And then we'd follow that, and we'd hear the giggling. Oh, my God. MKT should market that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the coolest thing. And we probably played for a good half an hour with her. She was just absolutely delightful. It was, it was so much fun. And uh, stop oh, leaving. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. The little girl ghost yeah. has to have like some sort of tragic turn, though. Right. There's no, there was no tragic turn with her. There was a there was other stuff that was going on there. I think that just it scared people. Like they oh, would have, gotcha. yeah, they would have like the like the sound systems and stuff like that. Just like all their switches would turn on um, and start blasting. It was al- music. it was also the expectation of sexual favors from the assistant manager. I mean, that's probably <laughs> what it was. But, but at least they have a ghost they can blame it on. You know. <laughs> So to your knowledge, is she still there? As far as I know, yeah. You know, it was it was just a it was a really fun experience that we had. So so what's in the upper area of MKT? Second floor, yeah. That's so cool. But around midnight, you said so. Well, that yeah, that's what they were saying was it was was midnight ish, and it was probably I don't know ten o'clock when we started experiencing stuff. So it was it was really awesome. It was great, great evening. That is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. I hope we can do this again. I would love that. This is fantastic. Oh, this is so much fun. We got to do a cryptid episode. We got to do it. A witch. We got to do a cryptid episode. Yes. What's a cryptid episode? Like cryptozoology, cryptozoology. Like, oh, go down that route. No, one hundred percent. I'm I'm gonna oh, yeah. get into that like a hundred percent. Yeah, we'll do that yeah, we gotta do that. with a few drinks. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally the next fun. time you come, you gotta be you gotta be in person. That Jen was, and I, I are both vaccinated. Yeah, Jen and I are vaccinated. Yeah, no, it, that doesn't bother me one way or the other. So, like, no, I would love to. I would love to come down. That's yeah, that would be great. We'll feed you, get you a little tipsy, and yeah, send we'll you back on your way. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Morgan. Okay, thanks, Morgan. Thank you very much. Thanks for keeping it loose with us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. Check out new episodes weekly and read our blog on looseandconversational.com. Finally, like and follow us on Facebook. I would love to have something from you in my inbox.